number one in our brand new series, Faith Bit, and we're going to work through the book of James. If you have your Bibles and you're trying to find James, you got the T section, you got the Timothys and the Tituses and the Thessalonians, and then you keep going to the right Philemon Hebrews, then you're there at James. Uh, we are uh, talking today about uh, Faith Bit. But if you know what a Fitbit is, a Fitbit is like a watch. Uh, you wear it on your wrist. How many of you have a Fitbit or a generic cheaper imitation? Yes, yeah, so many of you do. Yeah. So it, it, it mostly it tracks your steps, uh, how many steps you walk, how, what your heart rate is, uh, how many stairs you climbed. I noticed the fancy ones even tell you about how you're sleeping, whether you sleep well or so. So anyway, uh, interesting. Ushers, if you would make your way down front, we uh, have a wristband, and this wristband is something that I've got on, and I'm going to wear for 10 weeks, but it uh, challenges you to get your faith moving. Now, here's what I want to say before you pass out, guys. Uh, if you know you're not going to wear one, then don't take one. Okay, because that's just honest. Some of us, that, that's not going to happen, uh, and that's okay. Uh, Jesus loves you anyway. Um, but for those of you who will wear one, please take one, and if you're going to take one, wear it for 10 weeks. Why? Go ahead. Let them know. If, you, if you're going to wear it, get your hand up, and they'll get it to you. Go ahead. Let's get rolling uh, with that. Uh, this is a daily reminder to get your faith in Jesus moving. That's the challenge, James 1, 22. Get your faith moving, okay? And, and I don't know about you, but every day I need to have little reminders. Oh yeah, I love Jesus, and that needs to be reflected in my mouth and in my behavior and my attitudes and my motivation. So again, if you're going to wear one, we'd love to have you take one. Um, and again, for 10 weeks. Uh, for those of you who are kind of uh, honor roll students... And I won't ask you to raise your hands. You know who you are. Some of you like a little extra challenge. Here's the challenge. Give me your eyes. For the next 10 weeks, my challenge is, would you consider reading James at least one time, all, all five chapters before you get here on Sunday? So, so at least if, if you're, and in that way it can get attached. James can become a part of the way you think. And if you'll read it over, that's the way it kind of marinates in our minds and becomes a part of our thinking and a part of our behavior. Okay? So that's the challenge. Uh, James is a really practical book. Uh, some books of the Bible, uh, honestly, it's like a lot of the truth is up on the higher shelves. I'm thinking books like Hebrews and Revelation and and Leviticus and Ezekiel back in the old... You've you got to really dig in and do a lot of study to comprehend. Can I just say, James puts almost all of his cookies on the bottom shelf. This is truth that's available for everybody. And uh, it's, it's really something, it's, it's easy to understand and comprehend. The challenge will be putting it into practice. Okay, so we'll understand it. Uh, the challenge will be, can we actually take these words and apply them to our daily lives? If you're able, would you please stand with me? We're going to read together the first eight verses, James chapter 1, and uh, we start our journey today. 
through the book of James. Ready? Here we go. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for being there and giving us instruction regarding times of trouble and trial and pain and difficulty. Because the reality is, Lord, our, our world is filled with circumstances just like that. So would you give us your insight, your perspective on trials and pain? We need to know how to deal with the pain and the troubles and the tears in this world. So would you burn them deeply, your truth today on the hard drives of our minds, prepare our hearts and minds and wills to hear what you have to say specifically to us today. Individually and as a church family, Lord, we need to hear from you. We pause for the next few moments now, and I'm asking that you'll help us to take out the garbage. Because the truth is, Lord, uh, we live in a dirty, grimy, sin-filled world, and as we walk through, oftentimes, Lord, we jump in and get involved. So where there's sin that we've not dealt with, would you make it clear? Would you point it out even right now, Lord? And as you point out sin, we're not going to ignore it and pretend it's not there. But as you make things clear even right now, we're going to do the U-turn and we're going to run to the cross. Because, Lord, that's the place of forgiveness and cleansing and healing. That's the place you shed your blood and you took care of all of our sin, past, present, future. We praise you for that. But Lord, in our relationship with your son right now, we need to write the check of confession. So as you point out sin, we're going to call what you're making clear right now. We're going to call it what it is. It's sin. And we're going to ask that you might wash, cleanse, and tear down the barriers and the walls that's between us and you. We know that sin does that. And we're ready, Lord, to have you tear those walls down with your shed blood. Speak, Lord. Be the king today in your church. You rule and reign. And all the church family at Wildland Lake said with one united voice. Amen. You can be seated. Verse 2. Interesting. Consider it pure joy, Ron Schrock. When you face a week of bronchitis and sinus infections. Yeah, right. 
Uh, consider it pure joy, Chase Overbeek, when your boss lays you off. Sorry, Myron's having a bad year. Because <laughs> business is slowed to a crawl. Consider it pure joy. Who should I pick on? <laughs> Mr. Paul, T-Tor, when your doctor informs you, you know what? You need major surgery. <laughs> and, and it's going to be painful, and there's going to be a long, long period of rehab. Consider that pure joy. Interesting words, right? Verse 2. James is writing to Jewish Christians. James is the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. He's also the half-brother of Jesus Christ. But he's writing here, follow me, this is important, to people he used to pastor in Jerusalem, and now they've been scattered and driven from their homes. Because suddenly now persecution has broken out against the early church. And suddenly now, everybody is angry at followers of Jesus, and now they're, they're being attacked, they're driven from their homes, and that is uh, detailed for us in the book of Acts, chapter 8. So they've lost their jobs, many are separated from family and friends, uh, some have been martyred and murdered, some are tortured and beaten, and their only crime is that they said yes to Jesus and the cross and the shed blood and the empty tomb. They, they dared believe and receive Jesus and now they've started to live for Jesus. That's their crime and now they've been scattered all around the Mediterranean basin. Okay, Now they're scattered. They used to be in the church that James pastored but now they're scattered all around. Now James is writing to them, his friends, and he's saying, first thing I want to do, verse 2, I want to address the trials and the pain and the suffering that my friends are enduring right now. Here's the first thing he says, verse 2, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Okay? So he's telling them what to do first. And I just want you to know, consider or count is a banking or an accounting term. Tracking with me? So again, he, he's using a term from the world of banking and accounting, and he says it means to apply something to the proper account. So we know when the check comes in the mail... You put the check in the credit column. And we know that when the bill comes in the mail, you put that in the debit column. Okay? So James instructs us here, follow with me, when trials appear in the mail of your life, put the trial in the joy column. Put the trial in the joy column. Listen close. Here's the problem. Most of us, we look at that and we say, I don't, I don't feel like putting trials in the joy column. I, I, I don't think my emotions uh, feel good about putting trials and trouble in the joy column. And here's what you need to understand. It, it's not about my feelings or my emotions 
or how I feel about trials, when they knock on my door uninvited, instead, the trials and the troubles of life, give me your eyes, the trials of life must be filtered by my beliefs, by my convictions, uh, by the truth based on God's Word, the Bible. You understand? So, first of all, you you have to understand, our job as followers of Jesus is to filter everything through God's Word. And now I develop my convictions based upon God's Word, the Bible, and then our convictions and our attitudes that have been filtered by God's book, then they influence our feelings and emotions. Does that make sense? So, so therefore, put that little uh, slide up there on, on the screen. Uh, therefore, God's Word and how we view God's Word, that's the engine. Okay? Trials and troubles come into our lives. That's the engine. Uh, and therefore, my, my beliefs, my convictions lead my brain and the train of my life. Does that make sense? So then, so then I allow the feelings and the emotions to follow after. And, and the feelings and the emotions are the caboose that is to follow. If you get that reversed, okay, what's the problem? If you allow your feelings and your emotions and the circumstances to lead, where does that lead? It leads to places like anxiety and fear and worry and panic and men, anger. If you let your feelings and your emotions lead, it's going to take you, that train will take you to really bad places. Understand? So first of all, you got to make sure it's God's Word and now my convictions and my beliefs based on the engine, and then let the feelings follow that. Turn with me quickly to uh, Philippians chapter 4. I want to show you how that works. Philippians chapter 4, we'll start with verse 4. Apostle Paul gives us some, uh, some things to, to know. He says, rejoice in the Lord how often? I'll say it again. <laughs> rejoice. Rejoice. Let, let, let your gentleness be known. Let, let your gentleness be evident to everybody. Why? Because the Lord is where? He's right here with me. He's right there with you. Okay? Verse, verse 5. Uh, verse 6, excuse me. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not worry and fret and stew about what? Anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests. To God. Give your trials and your troubles to the Lord. He continues on, and then the peace of God. So, so I give the Lord the trial, the trouble, and I present it to Him, and then in exchange, what does He give me? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Gives us His peace. That's a pretty good... And then he talks about what do we marinate? What do I put into my brain? And he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's, whatever's admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, what are you supposed to do with those things? Let those things run through your brain. Let, let, let those things be what filters through your brain. Okay? Makes sense? So... Where do I get this train running on the right track? Go back to James chapter 1, verse 2. I get it running on the right track.
by putting all varieties of trials in the right column. And the right column, according to James chapter 1, verse 2, is what? It's the joy column. Trials, it's the joy column. Now, (laughs) a great question right now is why? Right? Why, Pastor Jeff, would I want to put pain and trials and difficulty and suffering in the pure joy column? That, That doesn't sound smart. That doesn't sound like it makes sense. That, that doesn't feel as though I'm putting this in that category, in that column, but I don't understand why would I do that. Well, James gives us the why, verse 3. Here we go. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Okay, let that, let that soak in a bit. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Verse 3, trials test our faith. Trials test what we believe. Understand the Greek word here, it's not a, it's not a negative test. We're testing here because we think you're going to fail. Instead, it's a positive test, and we're going to prove that what we've learned about Jesus and his book can actually stand the test. So it's a positive test. Test and the trials of life test our faith, and over time, the testing of our faith develops staying power, perseverance, endurance. Perseverance is determination under adversity. In other words, I'm not quitting, <laughs> I'm digging in. It's the grit to keep on keeping on, even when life gets hard. That's what this word perseverance. It's our faith stretched out, trusting God over the long haul. James is saying, you don't really know where your faith is and how deep and strong your faith is until it gets tested. It's it's going to get tested. And he tests our faith through trials. Okay? How many of you have ever run a marathon or a half marathon? I'm not sure how long a 5K, but let's just say How many of you have ever run at one time 10 miles or more? Can I see your hands? 10 miles or more? Ever, ever, ever. You know, this isn't like last week, ever. Yeah, okay. Uh, So, uh, did you wake up one morning and said, well, I've never run more than a mile, (laughs) never run more than maybe a few steps, uh, and I haven't run in 20, 30, 40 years, but today, without practice, without training, I'm going to run 10 miles. Without training, without ever, without ever any exercise, I'm going to run uh, 26 miles. Can I tell you, that's a recipe for what? <laughs> Heart attack, uh, stroke, uh, you're going to blow out your Achilles. It, it's going to be bad. If you've never done it, and all of a sudden you decide you're going to go 10, 15, 26 miles, it's bad. Instead, of course, you train. You build your endurance and your stamina slowly and exercise your muscles so that you'll preserve and you won't quit halfway through. Okay? Our faith is like a muscle. Our faith only grows as it's tested and worked and exercised. Does that make sense? The Lord allows trials. Why? Because we need to exercise and work out our faith. And how do we do that? We do that so that we can endure and run 
for Jesus for the long haul of life. That, that's what he's trying to do. And here's the truth. If you don't have any trouble, no difficulty, no pain, no problems, no trials, what does that produce? A really weak and fragile life. So if you never have any trouble, I promise you, when, when trouble comes, you're going to give up easily, you're going to quit, and when life gets hard, you're always going to be running for the exit. And can I just say, if you look around in our world today, that's what you see. A bunch of people, as soon as something gets hard, I quit, I run, I'm not going. And, and Jesus is saying, no, no, he, I, I want you to endure for the long haul. I want you to keep running for me. Now he's talking, again, don't forget verse 1, who's he talking to? He's talking to his friends who used to be there in the church he pastored, and now they're being attacked and persecuted. And he's talking to his friends in northern Michigan, 2019, who are in the middle of trouble and trials and adversity. Adversity, excuse me. Here's what the Lord's saying. I, I want to put you on my treadmill. I want to put you on my elliptical machine. I, I want to put you on my Stairmaster because I want you to develop the persevering muscles, the staying power, so that you can run the race for Jesus for the long haul. I don't want you quitting. I want you to hang in there and endure. And the only way we develop the muscles for the long haul is through trials. First reason for trials, the Lord wants us to get staying power. I'm, I'm not quitting. I, I'm enduring for the long haul. Second reason for the Lord saying we should put trials in the joy column, verse 4. Here we go. Here's the second reason. Uh, let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, uh, second reason for trials in the joy column, because trials force us to grow up and mature and uh, become followers who now are mature in our faith in Jesus Christ. We've got a picture up here. Uh, she's a cutie, isn't she? Anybody know who that is? <laughs> yep, dad's down here. Uh, how old's Grace now, Brent? She's two. So, um, here, here's my question. Can, can Grace uh, walk on her own? Can she run on her own? I, I know the answer to this because I was around you yesterday. Uh, she's mobile. She, she's fast. <laughs> yep, she can walk and she can run. But the problem with that is uh, sometimes when Grace runs, she falls. And she scrapes herself up. She bumps. She bruises. So... Pastor Brandt and Christine have decided in, in an effort to minimize any pain or trouble, they're going to carry her until she's 18, okay? So they're going to carry her because they really don't want her to ever break anything. They don't want any stitches. They don't want any surgery. They don't even want scrapes and bruises. So again, Brant and Christine, till she's 18 years old, they're thinking maybe even 21, but they're for sure till she's 18. They're just going to carry her around. Going to never. Why? Because it's much safer. We know that's not right. We would never do that. Matter of fact, 
If you heard that somebody was carrying around uh, their 16, 17-year-old child and they've never allowed them to walk, we'd call that what? That's abuse. You can't do that. You've got to let them. You've got to let them walk. You've got to let them be themselves. And sometimes that means they're going to hurt themselves. Look at verse 4. Here's what you need to understand. James is explaining our Heavenly Father loves us so much He wants us to grow up. He's not going to treat us like a baby. He's not going to treat us like toddlers. Which means, give me your eyes, He's going to allow bruises and bumps and scrapes and even stitches and surgeries to come our way. Do you understand why? Because He says it's good for us to grow up, to get mature and complete as followers of Jesus Christ. And the only way that can happen is by allowing trouble and trials to enter our lives. He, he could carry us around. He could. But he says that I, I'm not an abusive father. I'm going to allow you to live your life, which includes some pain and trouble and difficulties and trials. So, as I'm... Getting to this point in my sermon prep, I'm thinking, how on earth do we pull this off? That'd be my question. Pastor Jeff, how on earth are we going to make this happen in our daily troubled lives? And I, I don't have the full and complete answer other than staying real close and abiding daily with Jesus. That's like the answer to everything. But let me give you three uh, hopefully practical how-tos, Okay. Here we go, if you're taking notes, James 1, 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, if you face trials of many kinds. Is that what it says? Okay. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. What does it say? When. Whenever. Yeah, you, you, it's going to happen, is the idea. It's not a matter of if, it's only a matter of when. Jesus says it really clearly, John 16, 33. In this world, you will have fun and laugh and everything will be wonderful, right? In this world, you will have trouble. Expect it. Plan on it. We live in a fallen world. We have uh, bodies that wear down, tents that fall apart. We're around people who are fallen. This, this world system is fallen and controlled by Satan and his demonic world. We have an enemy who hates us. Count on the fact that trials and trouble are regularly going to knock on our door. So, so I'm just telling you, that helps. If you get it in your brain, trials and trouble are always going to be a regular part of our lives. It's, it's always something. That's the book that Denise and I are going to write. That's the title. It's always something. It's true. Why is that? Because in this world, you always have trouble. There's always something. Okay? Here's the problem. There are followers of Jesus who've been taught, follow Jesus, everything's going to be wonderful. You're never going to get sick. You're never going to have trouble. You'll always have excess money flowing out of your pockets. You'll never get cancer. You'll never be in a car accident. You'll never have arthritis. You'll never have prodigal children. It's going to be wonderful. Just say yes to Jesus. And then, when trouble does hit, because it's going to in this world, you will have troubles. 
when, when you're not prepared and, and trials knock down the door of your life, I'm telling you, you get creamed, you get crushed, and even angry and bitter at the Lord. Listen close, I've known people who thought, well, I, I thought I had this magic spiritual bubble and nothing bad ever would happen. And now look what happened. And I've seen people walk away from the Lord and church in Jesus because they weren't set up. They were set up that everything's magically wonderful and that's a lie because in this world, you're going to have trouble. Matter of fact, James 1 verse 2 says, it, it's so often you better put it in the right column. It, it's going to be in the joy column. Second, here, here's the second practical help. How do we pull this off? All week long, I've been practicing, okay? So, when I'm, when I'm getting ready to preach, just want you to know, the Lord's usually getting me first, okay? So, He got me first, so all week long, I've been practicing this, and I recognize something. If I say it out loud, it's helpful. It reminds me. So, here's what I mean. When a trial or trouble came my way, guess what I said? I'm putting this in the joy column, and I said it out loud. And it was helpful. I'm going to put this in the right column. I'm going to put this situation in the joy column. Jesus, I know you're going to use this trial to build perseverance in my life. And right now, frankly, Jesus, I don't feel like getting on your treadmill. I said that. Uh, but I'm going to get on it because I know you know what you're doing. You've never failed me and you never will. So I'm going to build my faith muscles in this situation. I choose to trust you in this trial-filled situation. You understand? I'm telling you, if you actually say it out loud, it's very helpful. Okay? So you might want to warn your family. You might hear me saying things out loud. It's okay. I'm just preaching to myself. See, we're not pretending this pain doesn't hurt or this trial is not hard. Give me your eyes. I'm not going to pretend. I'm just recognizing... This trial is either going to take me one way or the other. Glenn, it's either going to take me into the way of bitterness and anger and frustration and worry, or this trial can take me and make me better and stronger and a more mature follower of Jesus. That's what trials are going to do. They're going to take you one direction or another. And I'm just going to say right from the beginning, as soon as it knocks down or, or, or literally knocks down the door of your life, trial knocking, hello, I'm going to put this in the joy column. Say it right out loud. You want to practice with me? I'm going to put it in the joy column. Say it. I'm going to put this in the joy column. I, I, because if you don't say it, you, there's a good chance you're going to go the other direction. You're going to get angry and frustrated, and you're not going to be better. You're going to be bitter. True. Third, third practical thing. Last Sunday, we talked about why church matters. The case for the local church. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen. It's huge. Um, I would argue a key reason why the local church matters is because we need each other when we go through times of trial and trouble and testing. We need each other. Turn quickly if you have your Bible or on your phone, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, in verse 1, he's talking about one type of trial, but I think this certainly applies to not just sin-related trials and trouble. Uh, 
Galatians 6 verse 1, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live in the Spirit, you who are filled with the Spirit, should restore that person, do it gently, watch yourselves, or you also might get tempted and drawn into the sin. Verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Okay, so there's all sorts of burdens. Verse 1, there's burdens of being bound by sin. There's burdens that are physical uh, in nature. Others, it's marital burdens, children burdens, relational battles, financial trials. I'm just telling you, you could, we could just keep going on. There's all sorts of them. In the church family, we're meant to carry each other's burdens. We weren't meant to live life alone. We need the church family. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ to help us through the struggles and the trials and the pain. We weren't meant to live life alone, especially when trials come our way. I need you, and frankly, you need me, and we need one another. That's why the Lord designed the church. That's the primary reason. When, when we're going through tough times, we need each other. Which is why, I don't know if you've noticed, but that light over there, go ahead, look, you have permission. That, that light over there, that's the prayer corner, okay? Why do we have that? Why, why is that over? Why do people sit there while we're singing? You don't want to know why? Because we know that on any given week, many of you, you've had... A tough week. You've had trials and trouble and pain and adversity. And we know you need someone to come alongside you. And, and specifically, those folks there, they'll lift you up in prayer. They'll pray about the situation you're going through. So that's why we have every, every Sunday, whenever music's playing, and you say, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm not good. Things aren't all that well right now. I, I'm, I'm a mess. Make your way over there. You've got people who pray for you. That's why it's there. We need the family. You need the family. And that's why we gather here. We, we gather to remind ourselves, who are, who are we? We're followers of Jesus. We're worshipers of the King of the universe. We gather together. We celebrate Jesus. But we're also here to carry each other's burdens. To love and support one another through the hard times. That's, that's, that's the family. And I'm just telling you, you need the family. I need the family. Because we're all at different times facing trials. Of all different varieties. And some of you, right now, today, the truth is, you're right in the middle of one of those storm-filled trials. Would you bow your heads with me? I'd like to pray for you and lift you up. Lord, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here right now who honestly are right in the middle of one of life's trials. And, and you know exactly what's going on. You know the trouble specifically, but Lord, right now I want to pray for my friends. Help them to know that they're not alone in facing trials. This, this is something that all of us take turns at going through. Lord, help us to be able to start putting trials in the right category. Would you help us to start putting them in the joy column? 
And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to know that, that we need to develop perseverance and endurance. And the only way that can happen is through trials. So you know what you're doing. The only way we can get mature and complete in our faith is trials. So even though, honestly, we don't like them, we don't enjoy them, we don't look forward to them, we trust you. We trust you right now. We trust your book. And might your word be the engine, and Lord, help us to allow our feelings and emotions to follow. Here's, here's the question as we close. Is, is anybody here honest enough to admit, you know what, I'm in one of those times I'm in a time of trial and pain and adversity. And uh, honestly, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit overwhelmed. And uh, it's really hard right now. Anybody slip up your hand? like to pray for you, pray with you? Yeah. Anybody else? Okay. Here, here's, here's where it gets hard. <laughs> okay, I won't lie. Uh, but several places in the New Testament... It says, humble yourselves, and God will lift you up. Admit that, <laughs> that you're struggling and hurting and, and troubled right now, and it's humbling yourself, that, that first step, and it never says God humbles you, but it says you are to humble yourself, follower of Christ. And that's when... In due time, the Lord's going to lift you up and lift you out of whatever you're facing. In His time. So here's the challenging thing. I'm going to invite you, if you're here and you're struggling and you're willing to humble yourself, would you stand and just admit, not going so well. <laughs> trial's been knocking at my door recently, and more than knocking, I think it, the trial's knocked my door down uninvited, and right now I admit I'm in that situation and, and I need the family to come around me. Anybody stand right now? doesn't matter if you're the only one standing or if everybody else is standing and you're not. The key question is, is the Lord inviting you to stand? Please do that right now. Now here's, here's what we're challenged to do now, church. We're called to stand by our brothers and sisters who are in the middle of struggle. They, they need some help. They need you to care and share and, and walk with them. So right now, you can look. you got permission right in the middle of a prayer. Can you believe that? You can look. you got people around you who are standing, and they need you to come and stand with them. Okay? So if, if you're not standing yet and you're going, boy, I could use somebody, you, you can stand up real quick right now. And we'll jump. So everybody that's standing, would you make sure that they've got some folks around them? Put your, put your hand on them. Let them know that you're there. And whoever's the bravest, start praying for that person. And you can even ask, how can I pray for you? What kind of trial are you going through? And if, if you're not up to saying, just say, it's just bad. Pray for me. However you want it, you pray. Go right now. Start praying for them. They need your prayers.
Lord, thank you for church, which is not a building, it's not guitars or drums, it's not stained glass, it's not even preachers. Lord, thank you for church. It's a family. It's brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, help us to carry each other's burdens. Help us to love on one another, support, be kind, encouraging to one another. Thank you for uh, the family here. And I pray again for all those who are standing, who've humbled your, themselves. I pray, Lord, that uh, you'd start lifting them up. Help them to know how much you love them and their brothers and sisters are helping them in this journey as well. We love you. It's in Christ's wonderful name we pray all these things.